quote of the day for the Cotton Candy Clouds podcast is hatred paralyzes life. Love releases it. Hatred confuses life. Love harmonizes it. Hatred darkens life. Love illuminates it. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Welcome back, or welcome to the Cotton Candy Clouds podcast, the podcast that discusses too much of nothing, a little bit of everything, wacky news, history, psychology, social media, culture, Super Bowls, and the likes. The Cotton Candy Clouds podcast discusses a smorgasbord of topics with a myriad of theories and perspectives added with my interpretation of it all. Here we natter and chatter. I'm Felicia, and I'm so glad that you tuned in to this podcast. Wow. So happy Black History Month, first of all. But I don't know how you guys feel, but I feel like even though it's 12 days in February so far, I just feel like I've been in February for three weeks. And The thing about it is I'm making the notation, but it got me to thinking like when we notice these things about time and how we're feeling time, what does it mean? Because it's not necessarily for me, at least me feeling like I've been in February for so long isn't a bad thing. And, you know, but I just don't know, like, what am I to do with that thought? Anyway, yesterday was Sunday. It was the Super Bowl. I'm not going to probably ever watch the Super Bowl again. I feel funny about watching the Super Bowl because of Colin Kaepernick and that whole situation. It was done horrifying to me. It was shitty to me. And it was a reminder of who I'm surrounded by. Not necessarily, I didn't expect the white males who were in charge of the National Football League to act in some kind of a uh, restorative way. But the the fans of the NFL and the everyone around them and that that's what really just let me know. OK, it was a reminder, excuse me, that, OK, <laughs> I realized oh, I am a black person. In the United States of America. So happy Black History Month to that. And let's cheers to that. But because it was the Super Bowl. I did want to drop some facts about. Which I did drop some facts about. Something involving football. Because football. The NFL has had a very interesting. History with black men. And I just found it intriguing. And so I knew a few facts about like Tony Dungy. And such but. I wanted to like go real far away. And so (laughs) I found a guy and wow, the man is interesting, not just because of what he's done, but his family members, his parents. I mean, just everybody was out here conscious about where they were, who they were and how to be better and to break records and be the first of different things. I mean, he had a brother who... Oh, well, first of all, let me tell you his name. Excuse me. 
His name is Fritz Poehler. Okay, his his government name, his full name was Frederick Douglass Fritz Poehler. And his parents named him after literally Frederick Douglass. They heard the man speak. And so they were like, let's just make this sixth child of ours. Let's name him Frederick Douglass. And so he went by Fritz Poehler. And again, legendary family. Like I was going to say, one of the brothers was among the first black men to create his own motion picture company. I mean, hello, what the hell? Or heaven, rather. And he had a sister who was like the first black woman to graduate from Northwestern University. I mean, these people were making moves. One of the other sisters, because I don't think it was the same one, because he had, I think, six or seven other siblings. One of them passed in youth, but he had six or seven siblings. And then one of the sisters was the first black nurse in Illinois. I mean, these are the things. So he's coming from this family dynamic. So he had to be good. And boy, was he a bad mama jamma. Now, Fritz Poehler was the first black man to play football at Brown University, which is an Ivy League. And so you get the just that these people were doing their thing. And so he also was the first black player to be invited to the Rose Bowl and play in the Rose Bowl. And then that history of how, you know, he was invited and he was going to play, but the hotel that him and his teammates went to would not allow him at first to sleep inside the hotel because I guess they thought, you know, his brown skin was going to corrupt theirs. Who knows the real illogicalness of this situation? Happy Black History Month. So, Basically, his teammates, which is, you know, wonderful. It's Brown University. You would hope that an Ivy League school would be made up of a bunch of intelligent type people who like, this is dumb. But they round up and say, well, we're not going to play the bowl. We're not going to stay here if you don't let our teammate Fritz Pollard stay. So obviously they did what anybody with some sense would do when they're threatened with such tenacity they say okay and so he played and so he was that first black man to play in the Rose Bowl but then he went on to play professionally he was among the he was the technically he was the first black player in the perfect the professional league of football which was not called the NFL at the time but basically was when the NFL was kind of uh making its building its name to be the NFL. It was the Akron pros and some other stuff. And it was just like basically these leagues that were made up of professional football players. And during this time that he entered was around the time when they were making, creating this national football league, if you will. And so anyway, he was the first along with Paul Robeson and, then he became like the first black quarterback within this league. Then he became the first head coach in his league. He was like a player coach. You know, they did things differently. So he was doing all these things or whatever. And he played up until about like 1926, which was when they kicked all the black players out of the league and said, you know, we just don't want any Negroes here playing. And so from then on, he decided to join up with other athletes, including because a lot of black players were really good 
black athletes, excuse me, in general were really good at football in particular. And it included with Jackie Robinson and some other people, Paul Robinson, he created these leagues, these black leagues of black players to play football and to keep up their professionalism and showcase their their talents, et cetera, and their athleticism. And that was so great because he didn't get discouraged, you know what I'm saying, after every beat. And so even after that, he became successful in general um, at life. And he created his, I think he was like the first person, first black person. I'm trying to think, was it in Illinois or what, but to create his own like financial company or something. I mean, he was still setting goal. He was still setting first, if you will, even after that moment even after the moment of them kicking him out and not allowing him to him to play football ever again, which happened a lot. Um, so basically, I'm trying to think. There's this one quote that he has. And it was... Okay. And so basically there's this article where the grandson of Fritz Polar, Fitz, excuse me. Yes, Fritz Polar. I keep getting messed up, but Fritz Polar is is interviewing about his grandfather and getting all the stories because apparently Fritz really told his children and his grandchildren, et cetera, what happened, you know, his adventures, quote unquote, because they're not really adventures, but all the tellings of to tell about what was going on. And so basically Jim Thorpe, who was a part, who was a, and you know, this is interesting. I'm sorry. We got to do a little, little tiny side note and drift off to the left. But it's interesting because I learned a lot about football in general too, while I was doing all this research yesterday. And I didn't know because Fritz himself was half native American, right? So he was, technically native american and black now back then you know if you were half anything black you know a third of anything black you were black so anyway (laughs) that's that aspect right but listen to this i didn't know that in sports if you were native american or part a native american you could play certain sports and you were almost immediately allowed to enter this professional setting to showcase your athleticism, right? And so a lot of white people would do this. They were half Native American in that regard or fourth Native American in that regard and would use that to their advantage and get into these sports. I'm talking about baseball, um, football. They would do this. You guys had no idea. So he too tried to do this and his older brother had tried to do this as well, to play baseball, but they wouldn't allow the people who were mixed with black and Native American to do this. So anyway, I'm leading up to say that this character who he was about to play a game with was white, but he was also half Native American. Jim Thorpe walked up to him. This is uh, his grandson retelling the story and called him the N-word. And my grandfather, Fritz Pollard, called him the N-word mate. And then Thorpe just started to step back and looked at him. And he said he was going to kill him. 
And he said, well, why are you trying to kill me? I'm going to be running into the end zone on your end. And sure enough, they, he did. And, you know, that was the kind of person that he was that, and, and often these athletes were Jackie Robinson is no different. These people would be berated, threatened in every sense of the way. And they were able to handle it with such fearlessness. And it's something past fearlessness almost. It's almost as if I can't even say confidence. I don't know the word. I don't. My vocabulary, as much as I want it to be, isn't as vast sometimes as it needs to be. And I just don't have the word to describe what it is. Because it, it's deeper than resilience. It's deeper than strength, almost. Um, and, it, and it comes from, like, the gut, the soul, the spirit. And I think people could see, the people who were spitting on them, trying to beat them, threaten them, etc., could see that. And that was a moment where that man, Jim Thorpe, realized that. And so he ran down the end zone. And from then on, apparently... Jim Thorpe himself had said that he was the best running back he had ever seen. And, you know, just stuff like that. And I also, and I'm going to another direction here, but when he was, his grandson was also in this article, was describing what he went through in college. I never even thought about this. Now, I, back in the day, when I did, like, really get into football, I kind of liked the gladiator of it all I did like the roughness you know and that's a discussion for another day but I never thought about if you were beginning in the football league and you were black I mean if you think people get concussed just normally I mean wow and the, the grandson was describing like you know he had to cover his face a certain way because they would try to basically mangle poke out his eyes and they would try to twist his legs in a certain way but Fritz Polar had had uh basically designed his own techniques into which he would protect himself but as he played and his white male counterpart saw how talented he was they his teammates this is at brown university would were like okay we got to protect the guy so they would also protect him on the field as well and so it became like okay we can't even get this man he's really playing for real but it, i mean it's just that kind of thing that you're thinking about and i think Learning about Fritz, of course, I was in awe. I was like, wow. And I loved it. But I think it also reiterated how much I hate what the NFL did to Colin Kaepernick. Because I think with the history of, you know, you kicking out all nine players who were playing in the quote unquote NFL, the beginner league at that time. In 1926, you know, you have that history of darkness where it's just pure jealousy, pure hatred and racism about why you don't want to let some black man run with a ball. And, you know, we're thinking like, wow, we've moved past it. We hopefully have grown, but you haven't because somebody decided to take a knee, which had been done before, by the way, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, which had been done before hundreds and thousands of times. To take a need to bring awareness or to honor or to mourn or what have you, the horrors that were happening against his people, you know, in society, in this American society. It just doesn't, it, it kind of just doesn't compute. 
Another uh, direction that I went when I was reading this and getting all my life just drowning in these different tellings of this man, I started to think about the Ivy League school thing. And now he went to Brown, but I started to think about Yale and Harvard and Princeton and just I couldn't. There's something about to me. Racism is so dumb. Like it's it's probably one of the dumbest things. As as a person, like it as a as a tool to use to destroy human beings and human thought. It's a great thing. So if you're an evil person and you want to pin two people against each other and you want to tell one person they're greater and better and the other person they ain't, they ain't shit, you know that's a great tool and mechanism to use because it is horrible. But to internalize racism. Or to capitalize off of it, or to use it, um, is is a different kind of thing because now it's like, oh, you're dumb enough to believe that this is an actual concept that should be interpreted, internalized, and it's just so dumb. And so I'm leading up this all this to say that when I think about school, I think about intelligence. And when I think about intelligence, I think, wow, y'all were literally in these institutions that were supposed to be so prestigious and you really were racist too. You really had slaves up in there too. You really were, I mean, even sexes even like, it's like, what? It's it just so like, you know, when we think of the times and we say, oh, was the time, well, excuse me, I don't, I'm not saying that as a black woman. But a lot of people, white people, have said this has been something that was going on on TikTok. They're like, oh, it was a time thing. Like, that's what they did during the time. They didn't know they were ignorant during the time. But intelligence is 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 not, is beyond time, too. It, it goes with time. So it's like, damn, you were dumb then, but now you're smart. Now, like, you not, I, I can't think you, I believe. I can't think you a prestigious institution. If you were racist, sexist, and shitty, just like everybody else, because you, you, because the whole idea is that you are prestigious and you are smarter, better, and and willing also to explore, explore, open your mind, and not be ignorant to all kinds of things in society, with people, humanity, science, etc. But you're just like everybody else during the times, quote unquote, and I just can't get G with that, so. You know, I say fuck them all, but listen, it's happy history month, okay? We just trying to learn something. What I'm telling you is I just can't help taking deep dives once I go to one direction. So listen, instance of the month is red rose, and it's a floral fragrant antidepressant that energizes the heart chakra and promotes sleep, increases compassion, devotion, and love. You know, Valentine's Day... Is coming up, and I think it's a great day. You know, I really love Valentine's Day. I think it's cute. Yes, I'm a part of a capitalist society, and it is what it is when it comes to these different holidays. However, it's a moment. It's a time. We can you can make it something. Couples, friends, family. You know, it's just a moment. It's basically like a, a Christmas of love, basically. You know, 
it's like we're just we're just showcasing our love on all fronts and you can do something for any any group of people you know like i was saying friends from your children um your aunties uncles whoever you could really celebrate this stuff people get caught up in the couple part and i guess you know jealousy whatever takes over them and so they hone in on that but it's really for all people everybody you can get your dog or your cat you know a little heart-shaped bone or something you know i don't know but <laughs> something i mean i think it's just so cute that we can delegate a day for this and we can talk we can think about the capitalistic aspect but we can also think about the idea that we can just celebrate love in its purity, in its wonder. And I love that. And so I love that red rose incense. You can get some for your person if you want. Okay. And also you can get them some red, some rose quartz. Okay. Rose quartz is the crystal of the month. And it is a love stone or a heart stone that brings compassion, kindness, and inner peace and removes anger and resentment and honestly it does i think love me some rose quartz you can just put it anywhere wear it anywhere it just has a calming aura to it and a genuine i feel like it has also an energy of genuineness and of appreciation for the little things for everything in life and so it's just, it is a love stone, but it's just a love, love as in appreciation for everything. And so with that, let's get into some stuff I wanted to talk about because I'm like, okay, we got Valentine's Day coming up and we're thinking about, again, people honing on the romantic love but let's you know we could talk about all the love right so i have two little things that i want to share that i got from tumblr years ago but i wanted to share it within the pod now one of them is from sanders studies and that's on tumblr right and again let's address self-love because really that's the best love and we got to celebrate ourselves on valentine's day too with all the romance, the pets, the dogs, the cats, the children, the friends, and the family as well. Self-love is the best love. Before self-love, you have to invoke self-tolerance and self-neutrality. And this is from, again, Sanders Studies on Tumblr. If you can't say, I love you, love my body. Say, my body gets me from place to place. If you can't say I'm beautiful, begin by shutting down the I'm ugly thoughts and say, I am a person. If you can't say I'm valuable, begin by shutting down the I'm worthless thoughts and say, all people deserve basic respect and I am a person. If you can't say I'm important or I'm kind, say I am the one who waters my plants every week. Or I am the one who tips the kind barista down the street. These are the things that you can do in practice. Because self-love involves self-tolerance and self-neutrality as well. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to say, I'm beautiful, I'm valuable, I love my body. You can just simply state the facts of life, the facts of neutrality, that you are 
a person. You have a body that move that goes from place to place. You are deserving of basic respect and basic human rights. Okay? So the second one is a little more in greater detail and it is about how to love yourself. It starts off with stop all criticism in all caps. How to love yourself. Criticism never changes a thing. Accept yourself as you are. Everybody changes. And when you criticize yourself, your changes are negative. When you approve of yourself, your changes become positive. All right. How to love yourself. Don't scare yourself. I think this is a big one. Stop terrorizing yourself with your own thoughts. Find a mental image that gives you pleasure and immediately switch your thoughts to the pleasure thought. Your scary thoughts to the pleasure thoughts. Now, this is one that's common, I think, because you've heard like on television or in like social settings where people are like, go to that happy place. That's what this is talking about. You know, where people say envision the beach or whatever, but you got to find your own picture that you can go to your own pleasure spot that you can go to. Don't scare yourself. Okay, be gentle and kind and patient. Be gentle with yourself, be kind to yourself and be patient with yourself as you learn these new ways of thinking. Be kind to your mind. Self-hatred is only hating on your own self and your own thoughts. Don't hate yourself for having thoughts, but gently change your thoughts. Okay, this is how to love yourself. Praise yourself. All right. Criticism breaks down the inner spirit. Praise builds it up. Tell yourself you're well and you're doing well with every little thing you do. Love that. And also, you know, and I'll say this for another part, but criticism, that's a whole subject in itself. Construction, criticism, that's that's a gimmick. Anyway, how to love yourself. Support yourself. Find ways to support yourself. Reach out to friends and allow them to help you. It shows strength to ask for help. Okay, that's one of my biggest ones that I'm going to fail at. But I feel like if I get them all together, then that one might be okay. <laughs> But no, seriously, y'all, support yourself, okay? How to love yourself. Be loving to your negative thoughts. This is a powerful one. Acknowledge that you created them to fulfill a need. As you learn new positive ways to fulfill those needs, you can release the old negative thought patterns. How to love yourself. Take care of your body. Learn about nutrition. Find what your body needs to have the optimum energy and vitality. Learn about exercise and what kind of exercise you enjoy that fits for you. Cherish and revere the person that you're working towards. All right. Definitely, I need that one for sure. Okay, how to love yourself is mirror work. Now, this one always creeps me out, but I heard it's really good for you. Mirror work. Look into your eyes often. Express The growing sense of love you have for yourself. Forgive yourself while looking in the mirror. Even talk to your parents while looking into the mirror. Forgive them too. At least once a day say, 
I love you. Okay? And lastly, how to love yourself. Do it now. Don't wait until you get well or lose weight or get the new job or the new relationship. Begin now. Do it now. Do the best you can. Okay? I think that's pretty decent, y'all. How to love yourself. Okay? Word of the day is in vain. I-N-V-E-I-G-H. It is a verb and it means to protest or complain bitterly or vehemently. Students invade against the new dress code policy. Okay? Invade. Book of the Month is African Myths and Tales by Dr. Kwado Osi Nayame. General, I hope that I'm pronouncing that right, sir. Just forgive me. Use code Cotton Candy FEB Feb for two dollars off of this book. Okay, on AvantGardeBooks.net, and again, you can find all the links for the articles for to get the book. Two dollars off the book. And everything on Twitter and Facebook. And I hope that your February is going great. I hope you learned some stuff for Black History Month. And I hope that you are well rested. And that your Wednesday, your Valentine's Day, is lovely. Have a good one. Take care. Eat your vegetables.